Mark chapter number 9. Mark chapter number 9. And we're going to start down in verse number 14. Mark chapter 9, verse number 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, running to him, saluted him. And when he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which have a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he said to his, he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times he have cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible, him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And Jesus saw that the people came running toward. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb, deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more unto him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he's one as dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts this morning. We need it. Lord, I pray that we would be concerned about looking to you for power, not doing it in our own strength. Lord, I pray you give me your strength this morning, Lord, to preach. Lord, give me clarity of thoughts. And Lord, allow your word to go forth with power and truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The real measure of success for a church or a ministry is not its fine buildings, is not large offerings or the crowds it could attract. Rather, the real success of ministry or for a church or a ministry is that that church is surrendered to the Lord. That's what it has to happen. We're living in a day of ministerial success in the sense that every church wants to be the largest, the richest, the most influential. And success is measured these days in the millions of dollars and tens of thousands of attendees and worldwide fame and attention. The truth is, God has a very different standard of determining what constitutes a successful ministry or church than the world. Very different. And in this passage, the Lord teaches us about the importance, important ingredients of a successful ministry. And you can go so far as to say a successful life, church, whatever, individual. The disciples uh, lack some important ingredients and they failed in this story. 
In verse 18 of this text, we kind of get uh, that we see that the disciples tried to do it in their own strength. They couldn't. And, and the title of my message comes from what the boy's father says, and they could not. He was right. They could not. He came to these men hoping to find help for his family, but he found that these men had no hope to offer. They could not. Why did they fail? They failed because they lacked spiritual power. Uh, MIBC, we need the message that lays within these verses this morning. We need it. We need this, this message. And as we're trying to carry out the Lord's business in dark days, we live in dark days. I mean, the, just we look around our nation and just see so many wicked things and unbelievable immorality that's promoted and legalized and, and just the, the, the whole culture away from God. We need it today. We need it today. We need God's power. I don't want people to walk by our church and say, they could not. I want people to come by our church and say, their God lives. Their God lives. First thing is the absence of spiritual power. In verses 1 to 13, uh, we, uh, we looked at this a few weeks ago, the Mount Transfiguration, and Peter, James, and John come down with Jesus from there now. Uh, the, but up there, they had saw Moses and Elijah. They saw the Lord in all His glory. They heard, they heard, the voice of God the Father. They must have been coming down. They really didn't walk down Mount Hermon. I think they floated. Have you ever had that experience, the mountaintop experience? I mean, you really don't know what's going on. You've got to smile from this ear to this ear. It might even wrap around your old face. I don't know. But you're so excited. You're, you're feeling good. You, you, you experienced something that was marvelous. And I, I really think they were just floating down that mountain. I mean, can you imagine that would have been so amazing? But when they get back to the valley, that's a bit of a parallel, isn't it? We all have those mountaintops experience, and then we have the valleys, don't we? We have those moments when things aren't very good. Things are bad. And when they get back to that valley, they find the world struggling. On a, and in this particular situation, a young boy on a demonic force. And when Jesus and the three disciples come down from that mountain, verse number 14, they, they see uh, the other nine engaging with the scribes. And this wasn't a, a uh, get-together to talk about theology. The scribes were on the disciples' case. They, they, were, they were pushing an agenda. And it seemed that the distraught father had brought... The, well, not seemed. It definitely was. He brought his possessed son for Jesus for healing. But Jesus was in the mountain already, so there was no hope of that. So he went to the disciples. The father did say, I need help. My son needs help. And the scribes mocked the disciples because there was no power. They met people like that. Oh yeah, your God's real. You can't do that. Oh, your God's not real. He hasn't done nothing for you lately. You're just that mocking, tearing you down. And Jesus walks into the scene and He asks for explanation. Verse 16, what question ye with them? What's going on here? What, 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 what are we seeing here? And the Father describes in verse 18, or verse 17 and 18, in some very vivid language, the pitiful condition His Son is in. 
The language is very discouraging. It's the truth, but it's discouraging. I can't imagine the ongoing situation uh, if that was one of my kids, if that was someone I knew and loved. I mean, what a horrible thing. And my heart goes out to this father as I read verse number 18. He gnashed with his teeth. He pined his way and you know, other things. I mean, it was horrible. It was terrible. It was a sad state of affairs. And when Jesus hears the details that they could not. So they couldn't cast him out. And they could not. He was in dismay. He was not happy. And there in verse number 19, he's in answereth him and saith, O faithless generation. Now, it's just one, it's just a vowel, right? It's just a vowel. Oh. But the Lord was in anguish here. This, he wasn't pleased. He, he, this was a, a, a deep anguish like, oh, how the faithless generation. It was a, it wasn't a good feeling. He was feeling low with what he had seen around him. He seen the situation with this man's son. He seen that his disciples were not believing him or trusting him, didn't have that faith. He weren't plugged into that spiritual power. Have you ever been there when your heart was breaking and your soul vented its cry of, Oh Lord, help me. Been there? Yeah, we don't need to, I know you've been there. We're all been there. There's always been problems. There always will be problems. Marital problems, child is ill, work is bad, relationship is broken, illness has taken you as an individual. Whatever the case, our hearts are broken. And we go to the Lord in prayer. And Jesus expressing His displeasure with this generation of these people here, to everyone assembled in that, in that moment, in that situation, and He's heart that no one seems to be able to believe. The disciples who had, who had seen His hand move, who had seen so many miracles, don't have the faith to believe it. God could do this. Well, the religious leaders don't have faith. They're there mocking. They're, they're there with a different agenda altogether. The crowds lack faith. Even that broken-hearted father does not have the faith necessary to see his son delivered from dispossession. And Jesus sees their lack of faith and he cries, How much longer? How long, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Bring him unto me. And this wasn't a case where Jesus was angry. With, I mean, He was upset, but it wasn't an anger of maliciousness. He's just upset that you don't believe me. Oh, faithless generation, believe me. Trust me. The saddest aspect of this whole scene is not the condition of the boy, though that's sad. Or the Spirit describes, and that's horrible. Or the anguish of the Father, which was real and very evident. The saddest part of this whole account is the powerlessness of His disciples. We're disciples too, right? We are. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. Here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're a disciple. You need to be following Him. 
And these men had seen Jesus perform countless amazing miracles, yet they still lacked a genuine faith in Him. These men had even cast out demons before. Back in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, 12, and 13, Jesus sent them out and they cast out demons. They had seen miracles performed, but now they could not. Now they could not. In many ways, these nine disciples are a picture of the modern day church. This is an application. This is not a direct interpretation, okay? It's an application for us. Like them, we have a reputation that we have power. Now, it's not power that we put in the office or it's in the piano or it's in the auditorium. The power comes from God, amen? But there is a reputation that says, hey, church has power. And his father came to Jesus but thought the disciples could help him. I mean, Jesus wasn't available. That's okay, I'll go to the disciples. But they lacked the power to make a difference. And as a result, the disciples lost face with the father, right? Let's be honest. The father's coming expecting a miracle. I need, I need some healing. I need this, my son to be released. And then, not only is the father lost face with the father, the scribes are there and they're like, that is such, you guys are horrible. And you could just imagine the mockery and the crowds, they're mocking the lack of power and ability. The modern church has everything it needs to exist. I'm thinking of Canada today, okay? Lots of churches have nice facilities to meet in. I understand that we don't own a facility. I understand that. But we're meeting in a nice place this morning. We're not meeting in a cornfield and hiding from anybody. We're meeting here this morning. And we invite people to come along with us. We, we have a facility that meets our needs. Many churches have skilled people who are there to, to preach and to teach and help. Some churches are blessed with significant amount of money. They don't have to worry about paying anything or taking things. The Lord's blessed them. But the church lacks the most important thing, and that's the power of God. We can have all that. We can have the nicest facilities. We can have oodles and googles of money. We can have the best people of everything. But if we don't have the power of God, we don't have anything. We have to understand that, church. We don't. This building stands here today on E2 Drive and it's making a statement to this world. This The building tells everyone who passes by and there's literally hundreds every day that walk by here. It tells them this is a place that God meets with His people. That's what church is about, right? Because it's not a social club. It's not here to get your feelings nice and smoothed out. No, we come to meet with God. That's why we come. And that's going to be the testimony of this community as they walk by, they see this church. This is where God meets with His people. This church states to a needy world that they're there, they can come here and they can find help. The church says, if if you need God, we can help you get to Him. If, If your life's broken, we can show you how God can fix it. If your family's coming apart, we can show you how God can put it back together. If you're lost here this morning, we'll show you how Jesus can save you. You know, our model of our church is building better lives by design. And the design is God's. 
not ours. It's God's. This church makes a statement to the world that we are different than they are. And we're able to help them. And we care about them. And we do it through the power of God. Because we can't do it on our own, folks. You can't stir it all up and do it every week. You won't do anything that will last for eternity in your own strength. We need God's power. I'm glad we have the name Baptist in our church. Amen. I'm not going to go through all the distinctions of the Baptist, but I am glad. I'm sad it doesn't mean what it used to mean. But I'm still a Baptist. And I'm not ashamed of it. You can say you should change your name. Well, you should go find another church. I'm Mr. Nice Guy, but if that's the way you feel, then you need to find another church. Because I'm not changing. I'm not changing. I believe that we as a Baptist, we believe the sovereignty of God. We believe in biblical separation. Uh, We believe in preaching and teaching and sharing and living the truth of the Word of God. That's what I believe. And the world tells us, when we put that name up there, I know some people say, well, if you took that name down, some people will come. Yeah. Okay. Staying. It's staying. It's telling us, those people out there, that we're unique and we are different and I certainly hope that we are real. They need to know that. The word church means, uh, in the Greek, means a called an assembly. And the word, that word tells the world that we've been called out from among them to be different. It tells the world that we're gathered to assemble ourselves before God to worship and to honor Him. Amen? That's what church is all about. We're not a social club. Now, I understand there is a social part of meeting people, right? I talk to people. Now, if you came to church and I never talked to you, you'd be like, what's wrong with pastor today? There's a social aspect of church. I understand that. But we just can get together and chat and talk and make ourselves feel all good and then go on home. No, we hear God's Word preached to be encouraged, to understand... To be convicted. We need it. It's not an entertainment organization. It's sad to see. I have not been in too many churches like it, but I've seen it and I've had other people tell me about how churches have changed from preaching the Word of God to it just feels like you're going to a rock concert. Why not? I need to hear from God, folks. You need to hear from God. We need to be challenged because we don't got it all right. And the reality is we never get it all right. We need to be continuously prodded with the Word of God week after week after week, year after year. We need it. We need it. We don't need entertainment. We need to meet with God. His power should be on us. His truth should be within us. And His Word should guide us. That's what needs to be happening. And most churches in our day lack genuine spiritual power. There's no touch of God. There's no power of God. The world comes in, and this is so sad, it comes in and it goes out and it's no different. It's no different. There's no help. Because it's just like everywhere else the world goes. 
Oh, I hope it's never said when someone enters our church, comes into our service, and we present the Word of God. They don't say, well, they'll get nothing different than anybody else. They could not. They could not. No, we need God's power. The Lord is spiritual power. Jesus hears this father's story and commands the boy to be brought to him. And when he arrives, the demon in the child recognized Jesus. He attacks the boy again, verse 20. And when brought him, and when he saw him, he felt uh, straightway the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. I mean, what a pitiful situation. This is so horrible. He's gripped with convulsions, wallows on the ground. Pitiful scene. And as the child is on that ground, Jesus begins to question his father. How long is it ago since this came unto him? Verse 21. The father tells, gives him the answer in verse 22. It's graphic. Tells him what, you know, tried to burn him, trying to drown him repeatedly. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. He's looking to a man whose faith has been pretty raptured ruptured, I should say, by the disciples earlier. You know, he came to the disciples looking for Jesus. Disciples were there. Hey, you're, you're, you're Jesus, man. You can help me. I'll be honest. I, I totally agree with this guy's theory here. Like, you're Jesus, man. You should be able to help me. Help me. Hey, and he comes and finds out that disciples can't do it. Now, I think he put his trust around people. For them people. Now, let me just put this in here. If you're trusting me, I'm going to fail you. Okay? I'm not infallible. I will make mistakes. And some of you are like, yes, you have made mistakes already. Yes. That's fine. Don't, tr- don't, don't, don't put your trust in me. Put it in Jesus. Put it in Him. And put, look to Him for power. I'm here to try to guide and lead the best I can. I go to the Lord and the, I go to the throne. I'm praying, Lord, give me direction. But I'm human. I'm going to fail. Sometimes we, we put our trust in the wrong things and then when they fail, we're like, Lord, you didn't take care of me. You didn't put it in the right place. Put it in Him. Put it in Him. He's shattered right now. He's shattered. He's hurting really bad. This father had brought the son believing that Jesus could deliver him. Now, this father's face had been reduced. If thou canst do anything. Verse 23. Uh, or sorry, but if thou canst do anything. Verse 22. Have compassion on us and help us. Man, this man's heart's broken. He's hurting like really bad. If thou canst do anything. And then Jesus, look, if thou canst believe, all things are possible, him that believeth. He's being forceful. Jesus rebukes his father for his doubt and commands him to place his faith in the Lord for the healing of his son who needs it desperately. And then the father hears this. And verse 24 And straightway the father of the child cried and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Man, that's one of the most honest and transparent prayers in the Word of God. 
And he's, he's not, he's not, he's not getting all buttery and getting all lofty and fluffy here. He gets right to the point and he is heartbroken. He is looking for help and he says, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me. Jesus commands the spirit to leave the boy in verse 25. The demon attacks the child one more time and comes out and the, the child looks as if he's dead, in verse 26, the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out, and as much one dead, and so much that they said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. Oh, Jesus lifted him up. He rises up, and he's free. And there's some spiritual lessons here for us that we need to glean. We need to take account. A powerless church purchased Jesus Christ in a bad light. A powerless church portrays Jesus Christ in a bad light. Because disciples lack power, and the Father assumed Jesus lacked power too. If, you're, if your men can't help me, Jesus, how can you? And the same is true around the house of God. When the, the lost world walks into a church building and sees its deadness, its coldness, and its apathy, why do we think that they should think it's full of power here? No, what they see, hey, we're just the same way. We go into a store, we go into a restaurant, we're like, oh, this place is dirty, it smells, I am not coming back. Doesn't matter who comes and tells you, it's got the best food in all the world. Have you been there? The, the place stinks, the place is not clean, there's grease on the floor, I'm not going back. That's not the place I want to eat. Listen, why are we surprised when the world says, I don't want to go to church, it's dead. We shouldn't be surprised. The lost assume that Jesus is lifeless, just as lifeless, just as powerless, and just as dead as the churches they see on each and every corner of the city. You know, most churches are guilty of false advertising. They claim to have something to offer the world, but they have nothing but cold, dead religion. That's false advertising. They've got nothing great. Isn't Jesus great? That's who needs to be proclaimed from every pulpit and every church in this in our great nation today. It's Jesus. It's time that the church told the truth about Jesus. He changes lives. That's what Jesus does. He knowing him is exciting. I am sick and tired of the world trying to tell me if you're a Christian, you don't have any fun. Your life's so boring. Excuse me? Uh you're the one who's on the wrong track, my friend. I love serving the Lord. I'm having the time of my life. I'm, you know, this is amazing. You need to get on this train, my friend. The one that you're on is going to a crisis eternity. Oh, you're saying you have all your fun and all this. Hey, I've seen you after the drunken stupor. I've seen you when your relationship breaks apart and you don't know where to go. I've seen addictions. I've seen what cocaine has done to people's lives. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. That's who you need. The church is alive. Sadly, there's not many churches that are alive today, but the church is alive. And when it's plugged into the power of God, watch out. Watch out. The gospel is life-changing. And there is 
dozens of you here this morning who would give me testimony of how the gospel changed your life. Let's be living it. Let's be showing it. Second thing is, weak faith is better than no faith at all. A weak faith is better than no faith at all. This father was filled with doubt. He was hurt. He was in a place that we never want to be, but there was still a kernel of faith in his heart. We see it in that, in that little prayer. He said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. As a result, he got what he desired from God. God's not put off by our doubts. He's not put off. But he totally slams the door in unbelief. I can doubt. I mean, hey, I doubt sometimes. Oh, newsflash. We all do. We all have those moments. I'm not sure, Lord, but help. Hey, the Lord still answers that prayer. He's still listening. But if we don't even pray, we don't think that God can do it, He's not listening. Can you imagine? You're putting boundaries upon the Creator of this world. What? Who taught you that? Because I'd like to take Him out and give Him a slash or two. That is the lie of the devil, my friend. Come to Him believing. We need to remember that it isn't large faith that receives big answers. We just come with faith. And Matthew 17, 20, this is a great verse for us. You may say, well, Pastor, my faith's small. That's okay. God uses small faith. My, my faith's really weak right now. Lord, you, my, we're going through a lot of stuff right now. Lord, Pastor, we need help. Well, i got a great verse for you. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have the faith as a grain of mustard seed... You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to the under place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And you're praying for that lost soul. Praying for that lost spouse. Praying for healing. Praying for God to do something special in your marriage. Praying for God to do something special with your kids. And you doubt sometimes. Especially if you've been praying for years, Right? Let's be, let's be really honest here, folks. You're going to doubt sometimes. Keep praying, keep believing. Keep praying, keep believing. And see what God can do. You may say, well, I don't know. What did God do in your life, my friend? He changed you, amen? If you're here this morning, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He changed you. He's still in the life-changing business. Uh, don't fall into this mindset, well, that's what God used to do. He doesn't do it anymore. That's baloney. He's still on the throne. He's still all-powerful. He can still do it. Jesus is still in the lifting up business. Jesus, just as Jesus took his, that poor... People thought he was a dead boy. He wasn't, but took him by the hand and brought him into new life. Jesus can do the same to all those who come to him today and tomorrow. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Isn't that a great verse? It's a great verse. We can lift up the cold, apathetic church member out of his complacency and into a life of joy and blessing. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. We can lift that burden, believer, of his fears and give him peace that passes all understanding. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We can come to the Lord and He can lift us up. Don't go to Oprah. I mean, really? I mean, I'm here to encourage you, but don't come to me. I mean, I want to help. Don't just say, well, pastor said not to come to him, so I'm never following him again. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And you're saying, well, I'm saved already. Well, go back to him and ask for him to help you. Help him, ask him to encourage you as you face that trial, as you face that whatever it is. Bring to him. I hope you always come to church and you get encouraged. Amen. I mean, I really hope you don't come to church and you're leave discouraged. Oh, my. We are not doing the job right, folks, if that's the case. Uh, and there's going to be times when we leave the, there's going to be times when we leave church and we're going to feel guilty because Lord, the Lord has brought uh, conviction to our hearts and lives and we need to get things right. Yes, but let the Lord do it. Let us not be people causing other folks to be discouraged. Let's be encouraging people on the godliness, provoking them onto good works. I'm getting tired already. <laughs> <laughs> I got to, I'm telling you, that cold really got me bad this week. All right. Number three. The lessons of spiritual potential. The lessons of spiritual potential. Verse number 28. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. The lessons of spiritual potential. When this episode is all over, the boy and his son, I mean, I think you know now that I, when I read the Bible, I like to kind of put the setting in place just to see and think. Can you imagine that day, that boy and that son walking home hand in hand, maybe the first time ever? I mean, we've seen some really bad kids in this grocery store, right? Not ours, someone else's, I understand. I mean, I understand. Right. Now, this kid was bad before, and now he's, now he, he's not bad anymore. I mean, the, the evil spirit is gone. I can almost see it as a, you know, Walking home in the sunset, hand in hand, probably tears streaming down Dad's face. I know I would be. Now time alone with disciples. And he asked the Lord, why did we fail? Now I'm glad they were concerned to ask why, aren't you? I'm glad. This is a good question. When we make mistakes, we need to ask why. Why did that, why did that happen? Now, usually when we ask, we really don't like the answer, though, do we? But it shows character to ask. Then Jesus answered them in simple, telling words. He tells them they failed because they lacked spiritual discipline in their lives. Verse 29, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer is the state of close communion with the Lord. We're talking to the Lord. We're talking. 
We're bringing our requests, whatever they are. Fasting is a simple means to demonstrate to God we are serious in a matter. It's not a joke. It's not minor. We're serious about this. It demonstrates a willingness to set aside simple pleasures of life to focus upon His face and seek direction and to seek what God would have for you to do. You know, sadly, there's not many Christians who fast anymore. I don't know if I've ever really preached a message about it, but I know for a fact it's true. I remember the very first time that I prayed and fast was in Bible college and a friend of ours, brother, had cancer. They said he's going to die. And I remember a friend of mine, older fella, a few years older than me, he said, Mark, we need to pray and fast. I'm like, I need to pray and what? I'm just being honest with you. I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, I mean, I had read the Scripture before, but I never had done it. He goes, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we're not going to eat. And it was, I, I'm serious, I, was, I acted like that. I'm like, we're not going to eat? He goes, no. We need to pray and we need to seek God's face that God will preserve that boy's life. And I'll be honest, my buddy Matt, not, not Pastor Matt, it was different Matt, he really encouraged me to do it and I did it. And, it. and it wasn't because of me, but I'm telling you, we prayed and we didn't eat for five days. And I know there's a lot of other people who are praying and fasting too. That little boy didn't die then. Everybody dies, amen? It's just life. It's true. He died many years later, but he didn't die then. They were saying he had like days and weeks to live. Hey, God answers prayer. He answers prayer. We need to come believing. These men were not communing with God as they should have been. Neither were they surrendered to God as they should have been. And as a result, they lacked the power of God on their lives and they could not cast out this devil. The disciples did not fail because they did not believe. They believed all right. Or they would have never tried to cast out the demon from this child. They believed they could cast out the demon when they failed. They were humiliated and dismayed and the cause of Christ was heard. Their problem was they're believing in the wrong things. They failed because their faith was in their works and in their rituals that they were using. Their faith was in the ritual. Their faith was in what they had done before and in themselves. These men failed because they were not leaning on the Lord Jesus Christ for the power that they needed. We fail in the Lord's work today because we lack His power for the very same reasons. This wasn't a early church problem. This is a problem today in the church. We lack the power of God in the modern day church because we lack spiritual discipline. You know, I, I was watching this guy this week. He's a businessman. And he's talking about how 
It takes years and years to build a business. And he said, we live in such a day and age. He's not a Christian, but this applies because it's so true because we live in this culture. He was talking about how businessmen think, hey, I can get my answers right away so my business should grow just as fast as I get the answers. It takes time to grow. Amen? It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't go, pow, when we're there. We lack spiritual discipline because it actually takes work. Right? Absolutely. That's one reason why I don't like going to the gym, because it causes me to work. I mean, I like seeing those guys lift that weight. Whew, that's hard work for you. Alright, you, you're totally wrong to think that I'm supposed to do all the lifting here. I'm in charge in the sense i got to lead this church. I'm the shepherd and I'm praying I'm looking. But if you think I'm going to take care of your problems, you got a problem. You need to be looking to God for your strength. I'll help you any way I can. I love you. I love this church. But you need to be going to Him. You need to be plugging into Him. Are we really praying today, moms and dads? Are we really praying for our kids? I mean, are we really praying? It's not just a Hail Mary five minutes before a big thing's coming up. Oh, dear Jesus, help my child. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, that's all it is. There's a problem. We need to be praying. We, you know, folks, sometimes in the middle of the night when you wake up, there's a reason. It's time to pray. I'm not saying it's every time. But I'm telling you right now, it happens a lot to me where I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, i got to start praying. There's something going on. I need to pray. I need to pray. And I need to pray. Are we praying? Are we really surrendered, teenagers? Are we really surrendered to what God wants for us in our lives? And I can put to adults, moms and dads too. Are we really surrendered? Are we people who are walking in total dependence upon the, uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, our college and career, our seniors? Are we walking in dependence upon Jesus Christ? We become a lot like the Jews in Acts chapter 19 who were trying to cast out demon in the Jesus' name. They had a formula. They had a ritual. But they lacked the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, we have, we come up, we got a ritual. Listen, rituals don't do anything. A bunch of churches, a bunch of denominations, a bunch of them are doing that right now as we're having church. They're doing that and they're looking for that ritual to save them. It's only Jesus who saves. It's only Him. We lack power because we trust rituals. We trust traditions. That's the state of the modern church. The church is, the truth is there's no power until God's people learn to lean on Jesus and on Him alone for what we need. And what do we need? We need prayer. We need prayer. I'm referring to praying that seeks the face and the will of God. Now, I have no problem when someone says to me, can you pray for so-and-so they are not saved? I can bring that request urgently, earnestly, boldly before God because I know God's desire and will for man is to be saved. I can do that. Now, if you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm looking for a Ferrari, can you pray with me? Not so much. 
I hope you get it and take me for a ride. Just let's get a Honda Civic first, okay? Start with that. You understand what I'm saying? We need to understand that our prayers should be following in line with what God would have for us. Following in God, in what God would have. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about that we are boldly coming into God's throne room and we refuse to be silent until we get an answer. Not like bratty children, but persistently bringing it. Persistently bringing it. Persistently bringing it. Persistently bringing it. You're bringing it, you're bringing it, and you're bringing it some more. You got the point? We're bringing it to the Lord. We're in prayer. I'm talking about church returning to the days of fervent prayer, seeking God's face and His power for the church. We're commanded to pray. Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17 He promised to hear our prayers. Call unto me, and I'll answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah 33.3 He promised to answer our prayer. Uh, Mark 11.24 Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire, when ye believe, believe that ye, that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Genuine, faith-filled praying is what needed for His power. Not praying like, well, Lord, we want your power, but I really don't think you can do it. What a waste. Don't even bother praying if that's your view. And your view needs to be corrected because God does answer prayer. God's listening and He desires to, to empower us. We must be surrendered. God cannot bless and use a church that's not separated from the world. He can't. It's God's will that we we have a place uh, a place that we have is different and and that we we have hope in Him and we 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 point to others to Jesus Christ and He expects us to be surrendered to that. Romans twelve one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good, what is, that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've been doing reading and studying and things, and recently I came across a statement, and it's so true. It's not about success. It's all about surrender. It's not about success. It's all about surrender. Is my heart surrendered to God? Is it? Is your heart surrendered to God? Or you're just playing the motions. I'm doing this to keep mom and dad happy. I'm doing this so my aunt won't get on my case too much. I'm doing this because my papa told me to do it. Oh, surrender your life to the Lord. Don't do it for me. Don't you dare. Well, Pastor Alcock, I did it for you. You did it for all the wrong reasons again. Do it because you love the Lord. We need to come, need to come totally dependent on the Lord for everything until we reach a place where we understand that the power of God does not come because of our preaching or singing or working or our manipulation of people and things. The power of God rests on us as we lean and rest in Jesus. Hey, I try my best whenever I get in this pulpit and preach the Word of God that I'm preaching it true to the Word of God. That's my desire. 
each and every time. The reason why the preaching helps you is because it's God's Word. Not Mark Alcock's Word. Oh my. No, it's God's Word. You need to get plugged in with Him. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing. The cure for what ails the modern day church is found in the Lord's Word to the church in Ephesus that we need to fall in love with the Lord Jesus again. Look it up and you can do it on your own time. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. We need to fall in love with Jesus again. We do not need more powerful personalities. We do not need new buildings. We do not need new trinkets and toys. We do not need to become more seeker-friendly. We do not need to change the music. We do not need to change our message. What we need is simple and it is available. What we need is the power of God. That's what we need. If it's going to last, we need the power of God. We need the power of God. The power will come when God's people, the power will come when God's people get serious about seeking His face and walking in His way and leaning on Him for what we need. It will come then, but only then. And they could not. What a tragic statement. When people come to Mississauga International Baptist Church and they sit in the pew with us and they see the worship that goes on and takes place, what is their thought when they exit the door and they go home? Do they say, wow, that place is different. There's something different about that place. They might not know what it is at first, or they go out through the door and they say, they couldn't, they can't, they have nothing to offer to us. And I'm not talking about fancy programs. I'm not talking about any of those things I just talked about. I'm talking about they need Jesus. And they walk out the door and they say they could not. I hope they never say that. The only way they'll never say that is if we are serious about seeking God's face. Can they say the power of God is in that place? They serve a mighty, wonderful God? Or do they lay saying, I want, went there for help. I went there for fellowship. I went there for love. I went there for hope. I went there for peace. I went there for Jesus. But they could not. 